Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good afternoon. 309, Jordana and Paul. David at the helm. Thanks for joining us. You can hear our normal, upbeat, glad-to-be-alive-today music was not played today, even though we are. What is happening in Ukraine is tragic and scary and does not feel right. So we are, our thoughts and our prayers and our hearts are thinking about the people that are under siege from a dictator half a world away. We feel helpless today, but in our own way, Paul and I and David are going to try to learn as much as we can, advocate for the people of Ukraine as much as we can, and understand that conflict as much as we can. So we have a, we have a full day planned, Paul. Yeah, we do. And and we are bewildered spectators. Uh, we are watching just like you are what's going on, trying to make sense of it all. But, um, you know, we we can't obviously ignore this story and we're going to spend as much time as we can. The, the thing that strikes me, Jordana, this uh, country, Ukraine, is a member of the United Nations. It's a sovereign nation. It's a democracy. Um, and they want the people of Ukraine want the same things we want. That's right. Uh, most of them want to be in NATO, and the fact that they're not in NATO means that the United States and the rest of NATO is not coming to the raid right now. So I'm 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 frustrated. I'm not in any way advocating for American troops on the ground in Ukraine, but throwing sanctions against the wall, hoping that Putin is going to uh, suddenly back down. I think that's that's wishful thinking. Uh, mm -hmm. He's maniacal. He has his eye on the prize, and it seems to be regime change, getting a you know a puppet uh, regime into Kiev that is subservient to Moscow. That mm -hmm. seems to be his goal, according to analysts. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll see how many people have to die for that to happen. We are going to speak in just uh, a moment. We're go David, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what you're telling me. Talk in my ear if you need to reach me right now. Uh, we're going to speak with Professor Renee Buer uh, from St. Thomas. We're going to talk with her uh, in just a moment about the history of Ukraine, and, and we'll also ask about the sanctions if uh, the professor has any thoughts on that. But also, Paul, the big news here today, and you heard in the news, is, of course, the mask mandates in Minneapolis yes. and St. Paul have been yeah. lifted. Um, I was in a restaurant just the other day uh, in St. Louis Park, and I had forgotten my mask, which is shocking because usually I never do. And I walk in and I was talking to somebody. I said, oh, my gosh, let me grab my mask. I'm so sorry. And the server there said, no, no, you, you don't. You don't. They were wearing masks, but they said, you don't need it. And I said, oh, interesting. And um, 
I took it out anyway and put it on. I just wanted to make everybody feel comfortable around me. And also, I'm being immunocompromised. I like wearing my mask. I feel safer in it. Uh, the, the servers in the restaurant were still wearing theirs, but this is a big step forward. You know, we talked with restaurateur David Fima a few weeks ago about this, and he said it was an unfair policy because some cities have it, some don't. Hopefully, this will level the playing field and bring back some normalcy for the businesses, the restaurants, and people that are want to do business in Minneapolis and St. Paul. In my understanding, Jor, it's still in effect in city buildings in Minneapolis and St. Paul, but elsewhere, no, it, it's okay. not required. So, and, and that's what the restaurants were worried about. You know, they wanted right. to know that right across the border, you, you know, if, in those restaurants, you didn't have to have it. So they wanted a level playing field and now they've gotten it. And this is this if. Omicron and COVID are on the, the downwind, then that this is what we want. This is good news for everybody. I think that nobody wanted to have to wear masks in public, but we were living through a pandemic. So we did it because we care. Well, most of us did it because we care about our fellow human. We didn't want other people to be sick. And that's all that was asked of us for some extra care. And thank you all that wore your masks for doing that. We hoped it wasn't going to last forever. And it's not. I, I hope we are healthier and safer, and there will not be another upswing because we are ready. Uh, for those of us that were truly bothered by them, they are ready to be done with the masks. Yeah, I'm still wearing mine, by the way. Hey, you have the freedom to wear it. In, in God, Asia, right? they, they wear them much Thank of God. the year, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been wearing masks for a long time. There's no stigma in Asia wearing masks just to protect from the regular seasonal flu and sure. anything else out there. But, uh, yeah, you know... I thought we were maybe on the verge of some good news, and there is some good news out there, but there's nothing like a once-in-a-75-year war to make us forget about a once-in-a-century pandemic. It's like, God, when do we get a break here? Um, I, I know I'm frustrated for, for folks in Europe, and there's a lot of concern. Our NATO allies, you know, is, is Putin going to stop? With Ukraine, is he going to keep going? Is are other countries at risk? I I don't think he would set foot. Troops would set foot in NATO allied nations, but you just never know. So he's unhinged. I I wouldn't put anything past him. He is unhinged. Well, he is a, a lunatic dictator who is mad with bloodlust and power. And I wouldn't put anything past him, especially this. I know it's not Ukraine is not NATO, but. I mean, isn't this a line in the sand, a big middle finger to the rest of the world? So I wouldn't put anything past him. Yeah. But let's hear what uh, Professor Rene Burr has to say, political science professor with St. Thomas, Thomas College of Arts and Sciences. Professor is next. Paul and Jordana and DJ and you. We appreciate you uh, joining us today. We're trying to get up to speed and wrap our brains around what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, the first major war in, in Europe in 75 years, really, since the beginning, since the onset of uh, World War II. And they're calling it a Russian blitzkrieg, which may be an appropriate metaphor. It's the first time there's been a major war, an invasion in Europe, since Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany invaded Poland back in 1939, which went on to start World War II. So we have questions. Ukraine uh, has been independent, a sovereign nation, for more than 30 years since the collapse of the Soviet Union, and it's held democratic elections. I think uh, there have been five different presidents during Putin's reign in Russia. So 
heading off in a uh, more westerly direction. They want to be free. Uh, they want to choose their leaders. How do we get to where we are today? Professor Renee Burr is a political science professor at the St. Thomas College of Arts and Sciences. And Professor Burr is joining us today. Welcome. For having me. Absolutely. Can can you explain to me, can you explain to listeners, I understand Ukraine was a part of the Soviet Union, which basically dissolved since 1991. Um, and they gave up nuclear weapons, 5,000 nuclear weapons, the third biggest arsenal in the world in 1994, with guarantees from the U.S., the U.K., and Russia. Basically, they gave up their nukes in return for a promise that Russia wouldn't invade. And now it's being invaded. Can you just get us up to speed with where we are and, and what's the history, kind of the Cliff's Notes version of, of Ukraine and Russia? Absolutely. So Ukraine was uh, part of the Soviet Union, as you mentioned. It's what's called a Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic. And uh, when the Soviet Union fell apart, those socialist republics became independent states. So that is where Ukraine's independent story starts in the modern era. Um, but obviously, uh, Ukraine was not always under the sway of Russia, uh, contrary to how Putin wants to present it. So since about 2004, Ukraine has been progressively asserting its independence um, in those early years between 1991 and 2004, fairly pro-Russian leadership were in charge, and they didn't make a lot of reforms. But uh, in 2004, there was a, a well-contested election between a more pro-Western candidate named Yushchenko, who was uh, going up against a pro-Russian uh, candidate named Yanukovych. And uh, Yushchenko was uh, um, likely to win. And so there was, uh, you may recall, uh, Yushchenko was actually poisoned uh, during the campaign and nearly died. But yeah. uh, the, the election was rigged. Um, they said that Yanukovych, the pro-Russian candidate, had won. And uh, that uh, started the Orange Revolution, which eventually uh, led to new elections and the, um, the election of pro-Western Yushchenko. So since then, Russia has been trying Professor, to regain let me, control. Professor, let me just jump mm -hmm. in here. You said the, the election was rigged. Was the election rigged by the Russians? Yes. Okay. It nope. was. There was definitely um, ballot stuffing in the Ukrainian election. So we had exit polling data that proved that Yushchenko had won by a small margin. And the official word that came out, which was from the Kuchma government, which was pro-Russian, um, claimed that Yanukovych had won. So it was by comparing that exit polling data to the actual um, supposed uh, data that the, the pro-Russian government put forward. And so that is the first big um, uprising of the Ukrainian people in favor of their independence. So since then, Putin's been trying to sort of indirectly control Ukraine through increasingly invasive ways. So let's talk about how Vladimir Zelensky came to power and what type of how he changed things and then what type of government they've had in more recent years. So you start with Yushchenko in 2004, um, engaging more with the European Union. 
So that's a fairly contentious issue. But for Ukraine's economy and its society, it makes more sense for it to reach out both to the European Union and to Russia. So that tends to be the biggest uh, difference between uh, Ukrainian presidents, whether they're pulling a little bit more westward, whether they're pulling a little more eastward, whether they're viewed as more favorable towards the Ukrainian language or the Russian language. So that's the main grounds of contention for uh, a Ukrainian president. So Zelensky came in um, in a free and fair election and uh, was really kind of an outsider candidate and more concerned with corruption than necessarily picking one of these sides. So he is a different kind of candidate than the ones that preceded him. Professor, I'm curious, in the mind of, of Vladimir Putin, he perceives NATO as an offensive threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he called, apparently, Ukraine, possibly joining NATO, an existential threat for Russia. Mm-hmm. And he went on to say, look, the Ukraine has always been a part of Russia. Uh, basically, they're sort of like the wayward son, and we're just going to reunite the wayward son with the family again. Mm-hmm. Do you care to delve into some of the psychology? I'm trying to separate out legitimate history and facts from spin. Yes. So definitely his speech, uh, Putin's speech uh, this past Monday, um, was a combination of facts, uh, exaggerations, misinformation, and omissions. And so knowing that all four of those were in that mix is really important. Um, the narrative that he told about Ukrainian identity actually is the same narrative that the Russian Tsarist regime used to try to subjugate the Ukrainian population as well as the Belarusian population, which they view in a very similar way. So um, that is a, a very um, Russian-focused uh, um Russian-privileged kind of uh, uh, viewpoint of Ukrainian history. The deeper history, of course, is that um, Ukrainian culture, language, uh, Belarusian culture and language, these things predate um, the Soviet Union. So none of of what Putin said about that is accurate. These are old languages and old cultures that uh, had their own identity, um, but they had been forcefully subjugated by the Russians. And uh, whether that was by the Tsarist regime or by the the Soviet regime, ultimately it was subjugation. Professor, we're speaking with Professor Rene Bure from uh, St. Thomas College of Arts and Sciences. Um, I know we only have a few minutes left, but share with us the relationship between Putin and Zelensky. And also, why is this happening now? Was there a trigger? (laughs) Why did Putin decide? Again, why now? That is an excellent question. Um, so his rationale, his stated rationale, is that the Donbass region was destabilized and that Ukraine was uh, had imminent plans to attack Donbass, this, uh, this breakaway region in the east. Um, there's no evidence of that. It was a frozen conflict. So um, that rationale doesn't pan out. That's why Putin has had to put forward a lot of um, fake news, essentially, to try to um, legitimize his claims of Ukrainian genocide of the, the Donbass people. There's just no real evidence of that. So um, why it's happening now, only Vladimir Putin knows. Um, so it could be that he's looking at 
the international system as it is right now and seeing it as a bit weaker than it was, say, in 2008 when he tried a similar move on Georgia. So um, it, he may feel like there are more opportunities right now to do so. Britain is sort of in disarray, right? Um, France is trying to hold together the, the transatlantic alliance. Um, you know, the U.S. has had a, a fairly rocky foreign policy for a while now. So he may just think that Zelensky is less experienced than his predecessor, Poroshenko, and he may think that the, the Western alliance is less capable but um, we can only really you know, speculate since he may not even know exactly why he's doing it right now. Hmm. Yep. Professor Burr, last question, 30 seconds. Is, is Putin ultimately worried about democracy at his doorstep? Is it a, a legitimate concern about NATO encroaching and him perceiving NATO as an offensive force versus a defensive force? When people ask you what's really going on, why is he risking blood and treasure? And sadly, it's, it's going to be the blood of a lot of Ukrainians. Why is this mm -hmm. happening now? And you touched on a lot of that geopolitically. But what do you think is really going on? What is he so, so afraid of? So he has wanted Belarus and Ukraine to be dependent upon Russia ever since he became president in 1999. It could be that his attempts to do so indirectly through tampering in Ukrainian politics and then um, participating in uh, the, the Donbass region and annexing Crimea. Maybe he feels like these piecemeal things are not accomplishing the kind of control he wants of Ukraine. That's the only somewhat rational explanation I can arrive at, but there's a fair amount of speculation that he may not be behaving rationally at all at this point, and that's, that's a tough hmm. question to really answer. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for this this knowledge. I, we so appreciate your expertise, <laughs> Professor Renee Buer for political science, uh, a professor with St. Thomas College of Arts and Sciences. Sciences. We appreciate this, and we will call on you again, Professor. Thank you, Great. Professor. Thank you very much. Yeah, that that was a knowledge bomb. I mean, yes. she just dropped yes. on us. Mm -hmm. Just well, trying to get up, and to that's speed. good background. Like I think you have yeah. to know the history to understand what's going on. Of course, nobody can understand why this lunatic Vladimir Putin, you know, is 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 invading this peaceful country. We don't know his true motives. And again, she says he may not be acting rationally. Um, our president spoke about this. Spoke about the sanctions. Spoke about his plans to punish Vladimir Putin. Here's some of what the president had to say next. President Biden addressed the nation today as we all watched. We we watched what was happening in Ukraine. And this is, um, Paul, this is a fascinating experience because we've heard, obviously, we've heard about war. We've learned about war um, in history class. Most of us, I will say, have lived during peacetime. I know that there are people who have seen war, certainly in Vietnam, even in World War II, that might be listening. That is a thing. But most of us have not, thankfully, had the experience of war. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yet, we look on our, on our TVs and on our phones today, and we see people that are hiding in bomb shelters, people that are fleeing. You know, there was a guy on CNN and you heard in the news, an orphanage. He's worried about what's going to happen to the kids. I mean, these are people currently today that are suffering the effects of a real live war uh, yeah. that is happening now. And it is, it's tragic and it's heartbreaking and it does make you feel helpless. Um, Ukraine... So the, our pres- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. I was just going to lead into share some of what the president okay. said, because in a, in a moment of war and in a time of war, it is the goal of the leader, even, our, even though we're not involved yet in this war, only by sanctions and diplomacy, um, to try to calm, to calm the, the nation's people and, of course, the world. So um, President Biden said today this was not a surprise to us. We did see this coming. Vladimir Putin has been planning this for months, as we've been saying all along. He moved more than 175,000 troops, military equipment and positions along the Ukrainian border. He moved blood supplies into position and built a field hospital, which uh, tells you all you need to know about his intentions all along. He rejected every good faith effort the United States and our allies and partners made to address our mutual security concerns through dialogue to avoid needless conflict and avert human suffering. For weeks, for weeks, we have been warning that this would happen. And now it's unfolding largely as we predicted. So the president went on to say that uh, America is cutting off Russia's largest banks and largest companies from the Western financial markets, restricting exports of technology to Russia, freezing trillions of dollars in Russian assets, including funds controlled by Russian elites and their families. People have said, you know, maybe you get their attention when you seize their homes, their mansions in London and their yachts. Maybe that's when Putin and the oligarchs begin to pay attention. By the way, their estimates, the CIA estimates that uh, Putin is worth over $200 billion and uh, probably not obtained legally. Surprisingly, Gary Kasparov, you remember the chess player Gary Kasparov? Sure. He mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. he tweeted out something today that made me think. He said, Putin's Achilles heel is that he and his mafia keep their money, assets, and families in the free world they say they despise. Uh, this helps them spread corruption, but it also gives tremendous leverage if we're finally willing to use it. And today... President Biden did talk about additional sanctions effective immediately. On Tuesday, we stopped the Russian government from raising money from U.S. or European investors. Now we're going to apply the same restrictions to Russia's largest state-owned enterprises, companies with assets that exceed $1.4 trillion. Some of the most powerful impacts our actions will come over time. As we squeeze Russia's access to finances and technology for strategic sectors of its economy, 
and degrade its industrial capacity for years to come. Between our actions and those of our allies and partners, we estimate that we'll cut off more than half of Russia's high-tech imports. It will strike a blow to their ability to continue to modernize their military. It will degrade their aerospace industry, including their space program. It will hurt their ability to build ships, reducing their ability to compete economically. And it will be a major hit to Putin's long-term strategic ambitions. And we're preparing to do more. In addition to the economic penalties we're imposing, we're also taking steps to defend our NATO allies, particularly in the East. Tomorrow, NATO will convene a summit. We'll be there to bring together the leaders of 30 allied nations and close partners to affirm our solidarity and to map out the next steps we will take to further strengthen all aspects of our NATO alliance. So listening to the analysts who have taken all this in, their reaction seems to be, look, the sanctions are not going to stop Putin. They're not going to stop Russia from achieving their objective, whether, you know, decapitating the leadership of Ukraine, setting up a puppet regime, um, making sure that Ukraine comes back into Russia's orbit. That may still happen. But what the sanctions will do is exact a cost. There will be a long-term cost to Putin. To whom, though? To, 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 really? Because you just to, said he has $200 billion. I don't think he cares. I don't think these sanctions are even going to touch him. It's clear he doesn't care about the Russian people. He certainly doesn't care about anybody else in the region. He only cares about himself. So he's already got awful rich. How are these sanctions going to even touch him? Well, if they don't touch him personally, they may touch some of his oligarch friends. The other billionaires who've gotten exceedingly rich from uh, petrochemicals, from from oil and gas. And if enough of his oligarch friends are unhappy because their mansions and yachts have been seized and they can't access their money, if they really can freeze their assets, I don't know if they can do that. Yeah. But if they can't touch their assets, that could create ill will among, you know, the ruling class in Russia and depending on what happens here in the next few months, next few years, Putin could be out of a job. Who knows? Nobody knows. And that's the scary part. And wars rarely turn out exactly the way you think they're going to turn out. There's usually something that goes off the rails. And um, could it spread into other countries? Could it? You can imagine some of the scenarios. And so that's what a lot of people are worried about. But he did say he's sending more troops, more American troops into NATO countries. One thing he said that caught my uh, my ear, Biden said the United States will defend every inch of NATO territory with a full force of American power. And that includes former Soviet countries like Poland and Romania and Hungary. So. I hope, I don't think Putin will advance beyond Ukraine. It seems like that's his only objective. But again, it wouldn't take much for things to spiral out of control. So I think you're, it's, it's good to be paranoid. Well, I just, I, I, I guess I'm, I feel a little more bleak about this because he is, un, has been, un, Putin has been uncontrolled, seems uncontrollable, and also seems like, uh, as our professor said, not thinking rationally. 
So when people are irrational and don't have much to lose, you already got two billion in the bank. Um, if your billionaire friends are missing a couple, you can give them some. Two, you know, two hundred billion in the bank. It just seems like he has nothing to lose. And whatever the true meaning of this invasion is, I, I guess it's just full power to reclaim more land, more territory, because God isn't making any more land. Um, I, do, I just don't. I don't have a lot of confidence that sanctions are going to help anybody out in this situation. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, when we get back, we'll lighten things up a little bit and share a sweet story about a local reporter who was visited by a special someone on the job. Next. Some entertainment news this year. The Oscars are planning to pre-record some awards before the ceremony and air them during the live broadcast. Even more insulting, before the awards are presented, the announcer will say, and now the categories nobody cares about. You go, hey. <laughs> if they really want to shorten the broadcast, maybe just skip the part where someone explains what an actor is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez, we need a laugh. We need to laugh a little bit, right? Uh. The world is heavy today, so we definitely yeah. need some... Some smiles. Jerry gave us one with whatever product he was talking about during his traffic report. So we'll, we'll have to get some clarity on that. Uh, but then this other sweet story crossed the wires. And this is adorable. It's video of a local television reporter in Ohio. So he's standing outside. He's either going to do a live shot, you know, which is when he talks back to the news anchors live. Or maybe he's recording a stand-up, which is his part of the story on camera. And then he was surprised by someone who drove by. So here's what that sounded like on, on camera. Is it because of the... This is my mom, hold on. Uh-uh. Hi, baby! <laughs> I'm trying to work right now. You over there calling my phone. This is D'Angelo. You can say hi. And don't be holding up traffic because you got cars behind you. <laughs> Did you record... I love it. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe because Mom. that's me. Because I could see, I totally see me showing up at my kids' work. Be like, hi, baby. How you doing? How's your day? You doing good? <laughs> they would hate me. And then give them a hug. Give them a hug on yes. camera. That's they my boy. <laughs> the news is next. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.